morning. Good morning. So usually I'm not preaching up here. Usually I'm uh, across the hall, uh, down the hall, speaking in students. So this is the first time that you've seen me up here on this stage. Uh, how have y'all thought so far of this student service? Great, right? It's look maybe a little bit different than what y'all normally do on a Sunday morning. Uh, and that's going to continue because the way I'm going to preach to you today is going to be similar to what I would normally do to students, mostly because that's the natural way that I preach, but also because we want to give you the experience that our students would normally get on a Sunday morning. So with that, if there is one thing that you could remember this morning, if there's one sentence, if you completely tune me out after this, and I mean, please don't, but listen to the other stuff I have to say, but if you only hear one thing, I want you to hear this. We are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. We are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, we are ordinary people. Now, turn to your other neighbor, and in a slightly louder voice, remind them who serve an extraordinary God. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Y'all took that to heart. I like that. Yes, we are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. God changes everything. So some of y'all, most of y'all probably heard of the story of Zacchaeus this morning. And whenever I say the word or the name Zacchaeus, you probably think of a song you sang as a little kid if you grew up in the church of a wee little man. Um, I'm not gonna sing that for you this morning because you would wanna leave. Uh, I know this is the next generation service, but you, don't, you still don't wanna hear that. Uh, but I'm gonna read it instead. That's much better. So, starting in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. This is the story of Zacchaeus. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way, I'm sure the sycamore fig tree, wee little man, all that coming back. So I wanna stop right there because I want to point out that Zacchaeus was an extremely ordinary guy. He was an extremely ordinary guy. The only thing that could have been extraordinary about him was the fact that he was a midget, okay? That's probably the only extraordinary thing was his height and maybe his ability to climb trees because that was pretty good. But he was an extremely ordinary guy. And if anything, Zacchaeus was less than ordinary. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And back in that time, tax collectors cheated people out of their money. So he was an ordinary guy, but he was really a less than ordinary guy because the way that everyone else in Jericho saw him, they hated him. He was probably the most hated man in Jericho. But Zacchaeus, even though he was an ordinary or, in the crowd's eyes, a less than ordinary guy, he tried everything he could to be extraordinary. He tried everything he could to be extraordinary, but obviously failed and ended up being, in most eyes, less than ordinary. Let's keep reading. Verses five through eight. When Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, 
he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount I have cheated them. Something really, really significant happens there, right? There's a complete plot change from, okay, Zacchaeus is climbing a tree, he's a less than ordinary guy, everyone hates him, right? But then something special happens when he has an encounter with an extraordinary God. Something really special happens. Up until that point, Zacchaeus was a nobody. Zacchaeus was really down on himself because he knew everyone hated him. It's probably why he was climbing a tree to get a view of Jesus because no one was letting him through to be able to see Jesus, right? Zacchaeus was very down on himself. But God, Jesus entered in the scene. He had an encounter with an extraordinary God. And up until that time, Zacchaeus had lost his sense of identity. But then Jesus called him by name out of the tree. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of belonging. And so Jesus said, I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of purpose until the crowd saw him in a different light. And automatically, he had a purpose. Something special happens when we have an encounter with an extraordinary God. So my work with teenagers, uh, I find them asking a lot of really tough questions about life. And uh, I hear them asking things like, who am I? Where do I fit in in this world? What difference can I make? What am I gonna do with my life? I'm, they may not say that exactly word for word all the time, but I see it and I hear it in the things that they say. They're looking for identity and they're looking for belonging and they're looking for purpose. When we have an encounter and when our teenagers have an encounter with an extraordinary God, they get all those things. So when Ben asked me to preach for this student takeover service. He asked me to uh, talk about why we invest in the next generation. I, I really have no idea why, um, but it's probably because he uh, thought Meredith didn't want to, so he went to me instead. But <laughs> this morning, I want to give you three whys of investing in the next generation. And I'm gonna need you to help me out, help me help you, uh, because I'm not very organized, so you're gonna have to hold up fingers as I go along with these points, all right? So help me stay organized and I will help you stay awake. Sound good? All right, so the first why of investing in the next generation. Everyone hold up a number one. The first why is why I do what I do. Why I do what I do. I think as your high school, you can put your fingers down, you don't have to hold on the whole time. <laughs> I think as your high school pastor, it is essential for you to know my heart and where I've come from. So from a very early age, I had a clear calling into youth ministry. Uh, at a, I actually got the calling at a big uh, high school conference, similar to one that we're going to this week with our high school students. Uh, and from that moment on, I felt ordained by the Lord for this calling. I, I had the opportunity to attend many leadership conferences. I got accepted into a few leadership camps to be able to hone my leadership abilities for this calling that God had given me. And to top it all off, I committed to a, uh, a small Christian college to be able to study youth ministry. It seemed like I was destined to fulfill a great calling. 
Then some unforeseen things happened in my personal life and in school right before I went to college, and it left me feeling like a complete failure. It left me feeling like I would never live up to the destiny or the calling that God had placed in my life. After all, I was going to study this youth ministry to fulfill my calling, and I felt completely unworthy to do that. But in that moment, uh, something really special happened. My mom reminded me of this verse uh, in the Bible uh, that apparently had been on her heart, God had placed on her heart for me in my life before I was even born. And it's Jeremiah 1.5, and it says this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And something really special happened in that moment. I had an encounter with an extraordinary God. I realized that even though I was an ordinary person who fails sometimes, there was an extraordinary God who had appointed me and had called me to a purpose. In that moment, I reclaimed my purpose. And there have been many other moments since that time that I've been reminded of just how ordinary I am, but how extraordinary the God is that I serve. I am an ordinary guy who serves extraordinary God. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are ordinary people. Now turn to your other neighbor and in a slightly louder voice, remind them who serve an extraordinary God. All right, great. We're doing great. All right, so that was number one. Everyone hoping number one. Maybe you're helping me stay organized here. Number two, we're on going on to number two now. Number two. The second why of investing in the next generation, why we do what we do. Everyone say we. 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 Why we do what we do. You can put your, your hands down now. So when I say we, this is a collective we of anyone who invests in the next generation. So people who serve in, uh, at our church or at other churches, this is a general we of why anyone invests in the next generation. Now specifically at our church, we have a core value called Pass the Cloak. Everyone say, Pass the Cloak. Pass the cloak. And this comes from passages from First and Second Kings when the prophet Elijah, everyone say Elijah. Elijah. Now everyone say Elisha. Elisha. It's very confusing, very confusing. So stay with me. Elijah was a prophet who passed his cloak, his prophetic leadership off to, everyone say Elisha. So Elijah and Elisha are two different people, okay? That's something that I didn't know until I was doing research for this sermon. So if you were confused, that's fine. I was too until I did research. So Elijah passed his prophetic leadership on to Elisha. He took Elisha under his wing at a very young age and taught him how to be a good prophet. And then when Elijah died, there was a symbolic passing of his cloak that was his prophetic leadership, right? And Elisha from there, Elisha, excuse me, was then the, the main prophet, right? Uh, another passage I think illustrates why we, do we do, why we do what we do really well comes from Psalm 78. This is verses uh, five through seven of Psalm 78. Listen to this. It says, he decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then, this is important, listen to this, then 
they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So this Psalms passage starts off here talking about all the laws and everything that the Israelite nation needed to pass on to their next generation, right? But why does it say the laws and legalism need to be passed down? It says here in verse 7, so that they put their trust in God. We do what we do because we want our teenagers and our kids to put their trust in God. And I know many of you here have had experiences where you've needed to trust God and you've learned the uh, essential of trusting God. So even through both of these stories that I just mentioned here of Elijah and Elisha, who are two different people, just FYI, uh, Elijah and Elisha and the Israelite nation. Now I want to point out that all those people were extremely, everyone say ordinary, ordinary. extremely ordinary people. And I'll prove it to you. Elijah, through my research, of course, through whom <laughs> Elijah was so dazed and confused at one point in his life that God literally had to put food in front of his face and tell him to eat it. He was so lost, right? And then the Israelite nation, if you've read the Bible and you know about the Israelite people, they're a complete hot mess, right? The Israelites could not keep their eyes on God like a dog keeps their eyes on an owner in a public park, Right? The Israelites could not keep their eyes on God. These were extremely ordinary people. Everyone say ordinary. ordinary. But it was only because of an extraordinary God that anything got done. It was only because of an extraordinary God that intervened that allowed for uh, the next generation to learn to put their trust in God. That allowed for Elisha to take the cloak from Elijah and take the prophetic leadership. We, we, collective we, we are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. So turn to your neighbor and say, we are ordinary people. people. Turn to your other neighbor and in a slightly louder voice, remind them who serve an extraordinary God. God. Y'all are doing great. This is awesome. There's a theme, I believe, that runs through both of the psalmist passage and the story that I told from 1 and 2 Kings, and it's this. There is a striking reality that might scare you a little bit. There is a striking reality that if we don't pass our faith on to the next generation, it'll die. If we do not teach the next generation how to trust God, where will they learn? Which leads me to my third point. The third why of investing in the next generation. Man, y'all, some of y'all are already doing it. That's great. <laughs> Go and hang, hold, hold up three fingers for number three. Point number three. Why you should do it too. Everyone say you. you. Why you should do it too. So when I was in college, I read a book uh, that had some research in it. Don't be too impressed. I did that every once in a while. <laughs> I read a book. It was the only book I read in college. Um, <laughs> but in this book, it was pretty cool. It said three out of four teenagers claim to be Christians. And when I read this, I was like, oh, wow, I guess my job is going to be easy. Three out of four teenagers say that they're Christians, right? But then I kept reading, and it said this. It said, upon further interview of all of those teenagers, they found that for the vast majority of those teenagers, stay with me, the vast majority of them, it was the first time during that interview, the first time 
an adult had ever asked them what they believe and why they believe it. The first time. These are teenagers claiming to be Christians. It was the first time anyone had ever asked them what they believe and why they believe it. And in that moment, I was awakened to a reality that we as a church have not done a good job of passing our faith on to the next generation. What good is it to just produce Christians who don't know why they're Christians and don't know why they believe what they believe, right? I was lucky enough to have a few adult leaders in my life that invested in me and poured into me. One of them was by the name of Mr. Lawrence. Now, Mr. Lawrence, this is really, this is really awesome. Mr. Lawrence taught fourth and fifth grade Sunday school for over 20 years at my church. Over 20 years. Fourth and fifth graders, just imagine that. Fourth and fifth graders for over 20 years. That's a long time to be with the same age group, right? And specifically fourth and fifth graders. Mr. Lawrence, at the beginning of every Sunday school class, he wanted to teach us about prayer. So we always started off with prayer, as you would normally do on a a Sunday morning or Sunday school class, right? But he had us recite this little explanation about prayer and what it was. And it went like this. It said, prayer is a conversation with God. You don't have to be in any special place or any special position. You don't have to say any special words. And sometimes you have to be quiet and let God talk. Now you can see how just that little statement is easy for a young child like myself at the time was easy to remember, right? And it's a great explanation of what prayer is, right? So Mr. Lawrence was a good teacher. He taught me those things. But if it wasn't for the relationship and the investment that he had in my life, it never would have stuck. But because he did, it did. That phrase stuck with me for uh, the rest of my life. And obviously you can see now it's still something that I remember even today. And it's something that has shaped and transformed my life and transformed my relationship with God. You are here today because of someone else. You are here today because someone invited you, maybe uh, someone you work with or a neighbor went to this church so you just decided to come, or maybe the uh, good-hearted people of Google helped you find our church, right? You are here today because of someone else. You're also, if you've matured at all in your faith, if you've grown at all spiritually, it's because of someone else. Someone else that has come alongside you and said, I want to invest in you. I want to help you grow, and I want you to help. I want to help you put your trust in God. Without sharing Jesus with the next generation, we will have a whole generation that can't see their true value. Because if we are ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God, look what happens when you take out the extraordinary God piece. I'm just an ordinary person. I'm nothing. Add back in the extraordinary God piece. I'm an, extra, or I'm an ordinary person, but I serve an extraordinary God, and that changes everything. For Zacchaeus, when he had an encounter with an extraordinary God, everything changed for him. Something really special happened there. Not only did he find a sense of identity, belonging, and purpose, but the way Jesus saw Zacchaeus changed the way the crowd saw Zacchaeus. Even more than that, the way Jesus saw Zacchaeus changed the way Zacchaeus saw himself. When we 
help our students and help our kids have an encounter with the next generation, I'm sorry, when we help our next generation have an encounter with an extraordinary God, everything changes. We give them hope of who they are. We give them hope of who they belong to. And we give them hope of who calls them. And because of that, everything changes. Changes the way they see themselves. Everyone say, we are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. We're going to move into a time of communion now. We're going to take a few minutes. So I'm going to go and ask my prayer team to go and stand up in the back. Uh, something really cool is happening this morning. We actually have some students that are serving on our prayer team this morning, which is really, really awesome. So they're going to be back there uh, and available if you would like to be prayed over them or you would like to talk to them. Uh, we also have other members of our prayer team that are there. Uh, but as you are taking communion and reflecting, I want you to think about where you would be without an extraordinary God. And then I want you to consider where your life is or where it could be with an extraordinary God. And I want for you to ask God, what do you want me to do with that? You are an ordinary person, but you serve an extraordinary God. And that changes everything. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all the uh, servant hearts of all these students that are here this morning serving on the prayer team and uh, with the band and as greeters this morning. Thank you for helping us get hyped this morning for worship. That was awesome. Jesus, thank you so much for being so extraordinary. Thank you so much for changing everything. Through your name I pray.